everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Amalep Anobi. I hope you've had a fantastic weekend. Mine was pretty chill. Didn't get up to much, but I'm happy to be here for the show today. And as always, we have Taylor in Nashville. Hey, hey, hey. I'm so ready for you to femsplain to all of us what's going on with these movies in Hollywood. Yes. With the girl bossification happening right now in Hollywood, I figured no better person than me, the ultimate girl boss, to tell you guys about what's going on. And the, the I guess, announcement that really sparked the idea for today's episode was that the Marvels, which is a movie that's recently come out from, we all know, the Marvel Universe. It's now aiming for the lowest domestic opening ever for Disney's Marvel Cinematic Universe at 47 million to 55 million deadline reports. Now, this was a movie featuring, you know, a little team of female superheroes, which we are all no stranger to the girl bossification of Hollywood and a lot of movies that have been coming out recently. And I have to think that maybe we have girl bossed a little bit too close to the sun and people are just no longer interested in watching movies that feature characters like this. Now, this is not to say that you can't have a really great female superhero movie or a high grossing female superhero movie, but I think it's about having tact, finesse, strategy in how we create these female characters. And we're gonna get into a more in-depth discussion about how Hollywood at large has sort of lost its way when it comes to writing female characters. They're so obsessed with matching the strength of men and the whole girl boss narrative and she's an independent woman who don't need no man that we've really lost the feminine in touch that a lot of, yes, strong female superhero characters could have. You know, Marvel's done it, and, you know, Marvel's with Disney. Disney's done it at large with their princesses and all of the recent movies that they've been putting out, and it's a mixture of woke ideology and modern day feminism, and it's just creating these movies that nobody wants to see anymore. Now, I'm going to be honest, I did not go watch the Marvels. And you know I'm not one for superhero movies. Your girl does not catch superhero movies. The last one that I watched uh, was Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And uh, I, I want to express my deepest regrets <laughs> in choosing to watch that film. Taylor, you watch uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever as well. I think we both bootlegged that movie because we wanted to uh, review it on this show and I just refused to go to the movie theater and pay for it. I'm going to be totally for real with you guys uh, on that one. Have you watched any superhero movies since? Not since that one. No, I think that was the last one I watched, which we watched expressly for the purpose of reviewing it. Um, but yeah, I've, I used to watch like back in the original Iron Man days and that those earlier films, I was riding the wave and really into the, the superhero thing. And then I just kind of got burnt out because I felt like there were so many of them. It wasn't really anything about the wokeness or any kind of, you know, agenda being pushed. I was just kind of fell behind and didn't feel like catching up anymore. And then, uh, 
they started introducing some of these narratives and it just got even more complicated and I just could not get back on the, the wagon. So uh, that's kind of been my experience. So unfortunately, no, I have not seen this movie either. And I already see some of y'all in the comments saying, if you haven't even seen it, why are you talking about it? But I think we're going to get into a little bit broader discussion about what's happened and look at some of the headlines and just talk about how how we got here and why this movie is flopping. Yeah, and we are. And we we always like to, to keep it 100% real with you guys. No, I have not seen the movie. What I have done is we, we've kept up with a, a few of the channels that we really love to watch when it comes to criticizing and talking about not just woke Hollywood, but just Hollywood in general. You guys know Nerdrotic Gary, who has been on the show, and you guys can check out a video that we did from him with him in the past about woke Hollywood. I watched his whole take on this movie and his view of the plot and the structure and all of the different things that are happening in this film. Uh, Taylor is telling me about Critical Drinker, who is another channel that we really love and, and shout out to them in covering all the things that are happening in Hollywood and specifically in the Marvel Universe. But we're going to springboard there because what I do remember is when this whole Captain Marvel thing was happening with Brie Larson, which, mind you, I will be the first to say I think Brie Larson is a wildly talented actress. I knew her before she was ever involved in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I recognize her from the movie The Room, The Glass Castle, as well as Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. And those are three just killer movies. And if you have not had the chance to watch them, I do uh, recommend them. And I know Brie Larson from that. And I remember when she first started doing press for Captain Marvel and this character that she was going to be taking on this female superhero, many were, shall we say, irked by her presence on the press tour. We are going to play some clips here of Brie Larson, just so you can get a feel and a vibe for maybe what she was trained to say in regard to her character. Maybe it was a tactic that she personally took on herself. It's very reminiscent of what we've seen recently with Rachel Zegler in talking about Snow White coming forward and saying the first, you know, initial 1937 version of Snow White was not feminist enough. We are going to reinvigorate feminism in this new iteration of it. She's not going to be, you know, starving for love and wanting a prince. In fact, she's not even going to be saved by the prince. And we heard that and went, hmm, somebody failed on this press tour training. From left, right, and center, people thought that about Rachel Zegler. We'll maybe unpack that a little bit further down the line in this show and talk about other endeavors that she has. But think about that when listening to this clip of Brie Larson. I do all my stunts. I did, I did my stunts because I thought that that's what everyone did. Uh, and then... Tom, Tom Cruise over here? No, I'll be the first me, not the next Tom Cruise. Thank oh. you very much. Well, wow. you know, I mean, he does his own stunts, you know. No, I do, we all do stunts. Yeah. So she had moments like this, and this interview goes on, and I'm going to show you an even more popular clip from this interview that went around. And people started to catch on to the fact that these movies were changing. The messaging was changing a little bit. They were clearly trying to move in the direction of showing that women are empowered and strong. They can do just as much as men, if not more. They're coming in stronger. They're coming in fiercer. Here is another clip. <laughs> is, is there any competition between the different sex, the different groups? Is there There's no competition for me because I'm the strongest, so it's just yeah. kind of like a different... Well, yeah, you should let her think that, but... Yeah. It's not. As you I've are. said before, it's not... It's just a fact. It's not a personal opinion. No, and no. It's not a reflection on what you can't do, but it is also kind of a reflection on all that you can do. It's just that you're, you're just... You're just not that strong. <laughs> 
Okay, so it's cute, it's quirky, right? We get it, uh, haha, it's funny. You have a woman coming onto the scene to play this superhero and she's like stronger than the guys and we wanna emphasize that. And you know, I don't wanna put too much weight on the comments that she's made in this interview. I'm sure she's gotten enough heat for it herself, but it just goes to show the general undercurrent in what Hollywood is creating right now. And I think at the forefront of their brain is how can we get more women on screen? How can we get more diverse skin colors on screen? But it doesn't exactly translate into diversity of, of storyline. We're not actually getting complex scripts or plot lines when these new integrations of, of diversity and you know female strength are integrated. So I, I'm curious to see where this takes us, if this continues in Hollywood, or if they're going to catch on and say, you know, people don't really want this anymore. They're not responding to it. And as I said before, it is left, right, and center who is not responding to this narrative anymore. And these corporations know that green is green. They don't really care who it's coming from. And maybe at some point they're going to have to wake up and realize this. As I said before, we watched uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which is also in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it was so interesting to watch a movie that was marketed as this is peak diversity. We're gonna get so many new storylines. Look at all these black women who are going to be so strong and empowered and independent in this film. And where you had diversity in that you were getting a ton of black female characters, all of the characters were the same. You could have taken some of the lines from, from one uh, female in that movie, switched it out to the other one, and you would be you wouldn't be, you know, the wiser uh, that these were two different lines that should not have been switched because every single piece of their personality was exactly the same, even though you had differing skin tones and even though they were doing something that was different for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And when you have diversity of skin tone and gender, but it doesn't translate to diverse, complex characters, you've lost the plot, pun intended. <laughs> So when and I'm curious, because did you did you recognize this, Taylor, when you were watching Wakanda Forever? Because I feel like we both sort of watched that movie and had the exact same note. Like it felt like all of the characters were interchangeable. Yeah, there's there's an interchangeability factor. And then there's just sort of what was that? There was like the young prodigy girl that they had to find who. It's just kind of like Mary Sue syndrome. Like she automatically was a genius and putting together things that nobody else could figure out. And just a lot of just unbelievable sort of elements that just, I think a big problem that these movies have or like what Disney's struggling with, with their new characters is uh, female characters in particular is they're, they're too afraid to let them be human and have flaws and be like incomplete or need to have character growth or need to mature or need to be vulnerable in some way. And so they just instead give them these very, like you're starting from square one with all of this power, like they did with Captain Marvel or all of the wisdom in the world. And you're just this perfect uh, person that, is just going to save everybody because you're so strong. And it's just, that's not a relatable story. It's not one that you can put your yourself in the shoes of that hero and really like 
experience anything through them or or it's not like a compelling thing because it's not true to real life it doesn't echo like great stories great narratives that endure through time have things that they teach you and they they have heroes that overcome their flaws they are relatable in in that way and it's not it's not fulfilling to just watch somebody kick butt on screen from start to finish and uh yeah it's it's uh clearly they're they're struggling to relate to uh uh just real real life and Mm -hmm. i think that's because they're just afraid to let women look weak yeah i think that is a a massive element in there and it it almost becomes kind of like kitschy in a sense and cheap in the way that they show women the director of the marvels who happens to be a black female as they've wanted to emphasize diversity in that department says that she watched the avengers and saw the scene where all the women sort of come together and they're ready to defend and they stand as one united team and she goes well that was only about six seconds i would love to watch two or three hours of that that's a direct quote from from the director herself so when you have that Way of thinking when you're supposed to be creating a piece of art that is meant to be complex and have ups and downs and characters that are meant to have intricacies you lose those when you're using that agenda uh, in the direction and in the creation of that film what was what is interesting and has been interesting in watching a lot of movies that come out in this modern day and age is that Oftentimes, I feel like I can look at characters and figure out exactly what their story arc is going to be. You see a white male in a film, and you're like, uh, something villainous is in, you know, is in his script. You know th- that he's not going to be the good guy. He's not going to be the one who prevails in this storyline. You see someone of color, and you realize, oh, well, they're probably going to have a, a victorious arc in this film because we can, by no means, have somebody who is villainous and also a person of color at the same time in modern day films. And that's how I felt specifically watching Wakanda Forever, but it's been in many other uh, films in in this time and specifically from from Marvel. We've spoken about She-Hulk on this show quite a bit as well. And you can just tell often in looking at a character, figuring out what their background is, looking at male or female, you can pretty much figure out where the plot is gonna go for them. And it makes movies so predictable, it makes them really a a shallow watch, and it takes away that sort of edge of your seat feeling that you should have in in watching a film. And it's a little disappointing. We've seen it in other arenas outside of, of Marvel, but also under the Disney umbrella. And in looking into some of the stuff for this episode, I came across this theory that many on the internet have or are talking about in regard to Disney princesses. And they're saying that all of the different modern Disney princesses that are coming out have the exact same personality, even though they come from varying backgrounds they have you know different skin tones because Disney has emphasized diversity equity and inclusion in its new creations and I want to play this short little clip from a YouTube channel called Modern Girls and this video is titled Disney's Adorkable Problem because that's the personality that all of these Disney princesses have even though they're all diverse they all have the same adorkable did I do that kind of personality even though they look different. Here's the clip. Here, I'm here. Oh, just uh, one second. Let me catch my breath. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean, I wasn't, <clears throat> what? They're calling me, so I gotta, <laughs> bye. <clears throat> oh, here? Are you sure? Cause I don't think I'm supposed to, oh, okay. 
So you have all these different looking Disney princesses who are meant to have like really interesting storylines that emphasize their culture, emphasize, you know, how how different they are from other individuals, but they all end up having the exact same personality, which it's so interesting to watch that play out in two sort of different realms. As I said, Marvel does that quite a bit. Disney does it. They happen to be under the same umbrella. So maybe that's sort of uh, trickle down ideology from the, the whole Disney. Disney hierarchy there, but I sat about, sat down and I thought about that. I'm like, okay, interesting. Maybe this is what Disney has always done. Maybe their princesses have just always had this undercurrent of like the adorable personality. And I thought about the ones that I watched as a kid. And you think like Cinderella, who is very feminine and meek and just sort of mild personality, and she had her own thing. Pocahontas was very like calm and strong and determined, and she had her own thing. Mulan was kind of klutzy and bombastic and challenging while also having a little bit of an attitude. Tiana was her whole separate sort of attitude towards life, and they all have just very different demeanors, different personalities, and it really shined in the way that they were animated, it shined in the way that their stories were told. But as soon as we become subservient to things like diversity quotas, or we have to have people show up in this way, or we have to emphasize this culture in a certain light, you lose sight of the little details that I think truly make something special, truly make something timeless, and really make it feel human. You watch some of these things and you're just like, it doesn't feel human anymore. And I know somebody can clip that and it's gonna be like, Amala says diversity means it's inhuman. <laughs> but no, that's not what I mean. <laughs> I just mean that you lose sight of the intricacies that really make a character relatable, really make them stand the test of time where you can watch the film and go, oh, this feels like a truly distinct person that came from somebody else's mind. Yeah, something else, too, that the video that you just played a clip from they talked about earlier was how each of those earlier princesses had their own sort of struggle. Like she mentioned, Mulan was trying to live up to the expectations of her father and be the right daughter. And they they each kind of had different challenges that they faced, insecurities that they, they struggled with. And the story unfolding is them learning to overcome their insecurities or overcome their uh, fears or, you know, become... Uh, become the person that they uh, are made to be through struggle and through uh, facing difficulty. And uh, but also that you see that you have to see that vulnerability first uh, before and go through that that, you know, ditch with them and then come out of it for it to be like a satisfying story that's relatable because all of us have flaws. All of us have insecurities. All of us have things that we're dealing with and uh, watching a hero who never has to go down into that ditch and struggle through their own stuff is just unrealistic and it, it doesn't encourage you. It doesn't like take you along and, and you can't put yourself in their, in their shoes in that way. So not only is it their personalities that have more intricacies, but I think it's also the way that they let those characters have struggles and be vulnerable. And I think also, particularly in a feminine context for, for like princess stories or female stories in particular, there's sort of this naive, naivete that uh, is overcome through these stories and through what they have to go through in the old films. And I don't, and, and I think they they still have the naivete with the, with this new, like, you know, dork, cute 
thing that you're talking about, mm -hmm. but it's a little bit different. That's almost like a feature and and not a bug. Whereas this other back in the day, it was more, yeah, you have you have this naivete and maybe you make a mistake. Maybe you, you know, let the witch deceive you or something early on, but then you overcome that or you grow from it by, you know, facing the consequences of that naivete and then, you know, coming out the other side, having gone through the struggle and and overcoming it. Yeah. And that that's it reminds me of Mulan in a lot of ways, because I'm, I don't want to get too in the weeds here. But in the movie, she starts off very like klutzy and, you know, not super knowledgeable. And she's struggling through this period in her life and struggling with the idea of tradition and boundaries that are that are placed on her. But by the end of the film, she is she really stands strong in herself. She's lost a lot of that klutzy, adorkable characteristic that she had before. And you just don't get that anymore. And it's at it's at the sacrifice, really, of, of storyline and character complexity. And they watch a lot of, you know, new trailers for movies that are coming out or you hear about this new like a new action film that's gonna star a woman and you just go it's just not gonna feel right it's not gonna feel right and I think women in general are starting to catch on to this and feel like this does not feel like femininity it's, it's it feels like somebody's trying to like pull the wool over your eyes and repackage something and say like look this is what feminism looks like this is what femininity feels like and women don't relate to it anymore as soon as i heard that snow white was not going to be looking for you know true love and she wasn't going to be saved by the prince it's just like what what is this movie even for anymore <laughs> what is this for anymore feels like it feels like a hate crime well i hated it you know type of thing <laughs> when i hear stuff like that it's just there is a reason that we are drawn to that storyline. There is a reason that Snow White stood the test of time among young women in particular. And it's because whether you admit it or not, deep down, that is what you want. Deep down, that is a driving force for the things that we do in life. And that may not be the case for all women, but it is the case for a lot of them. And even the girl bosses who want to, you know, carry themselves and be independent and do everything on their own, I still think those women go to bed dreaming about what their true love is going to look like and what their life is gonna be like as soon as they find that guy. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong and you've never thought about that and you truly are the girl boss of all girl bosses, but I think it's, it's a, it's a thought that passes everybody's mind. And I think men think about it in their own way that is specific to them and their masculinity and women have theirs. And when you try to strip it for the sake of some sort of modern day feminist narrative, you have to do it cleverly or it just simply does not work. And it seems like the movies these days are not doing it cleverly anymore. It's just like they're outright telling you, this is what it's gonna be, this is how we're repackaging it. And finally people are going, yeah, I don't wanna watch that. I don't wanna watch it. And now that that movie has been pushed, it's coming out in like 2025 now, I am curious to see the reception of it. I'm curious to see how they changed the plot line because I'll be the first to admit, I wasn't anticipating that they got as much backlash as they really did. I think Woke Hollywood has been able to sort of like fly under the radar and just continue turning this stuff out without anybody really saying anything for the most part that changes their course. And now it seems like it may have because Disney is taking hit after hit after hit at the box office. How long can you sustain this? And it feels like people are like waving, telling you guys, just stop it, stop it. Here's, here's the storylines that we want. Here's how you achieve it. And they just ignore it every single time.
Now, one of the more interesting takes I saw on this was just some random guy on Twitter who was responding to one of the articles about it. But he was talking about how basically Disney, their playbook, uh, but he talked talked about their like self-destructive playbook, which was they cornered the market on young female interest, you know, with all their princess movies and learned how to tap into the essential female psyche and really tell these stories that appeal to them and become these timeless classic tales that just are so relatable and and just beloved by generations of people. And they corner that market and then they purchase Marvel which is like the traditionally, you know, who watches comic book or who reads comic books. It's little boys who love superheroes. It's little boys generally. So you have like the feminine, the masculine. And then what they've done is basically inverted those. And now they've made the princess movies into more like girl bossy type themes. And then they've taken the traditionally feminine side and flipped that and made it a little bit more masculine. And then they've taken the masculine with the uh, Marvel stuff and kind of girl boss that and turn that into this like they've kind of feminized the marvel thing and then they've masculinized the traditional uh you know fairy print or the princess stories so it's Mm -hmm. interesting i thought that was a really interesting observation that that they've kind of made that inversion and uh, you know i don't think that we need to box female young female content in or female content into princess stories that's not necessarily i don't think what what we're arguing for at all like we've talked about many times on this show uh there's been really cool female heroines through through you know cinematic history recent cinematic history i'm thinking of people like sarah connor in terminator or uh, ripley in alien or uh, scully i recently watched through x files and man talk about just like super smart awesome character but what with each of those and i'm thinking about scully in particular like a huge storyline is really about her femininity and her insecurity about being single and aging and wanting to have a baby and all this stuff and they weave that in and it just makes her like a human person that you can relate to on a human level and makes her very believable but also she's still like this awesome doctor who's figuring out all these crimes and solving all these mysteries and the skeptic to Mulder's you know believer and it's it it just works because it's it's real and and she's she's a genuine hero and she has so much courage in the face of like all these crazy things she she has to come into contact with so I'm not bothered by like strong female leads and I hope that's not what's coming across in this episode um but it's just for whatever reason that it seems like Disney's kind of lost their their footing where they used to just have it down and really understand people. And now it seems like they just kind of don't understand what people people anymore. And maybe that's because they're hiring these activist writers who are out of touch with reality and just are trying to, you know, insert themselves in or how they see themselves in some idealized way into these stories. Or they want to push certain narratives or agenda because they think that's good or what the world needs to be. And it's pushed by this idealism rather than just trying to be creative from a here's let's let's do a true human story standpoint. Let's inspire people, etc. So it seems like they've lost their way. And again, how many more flops do they have to have uh, before they feel their way back? And yeah. like, to your point, maybe they won't. And maybe uh, someone like the Daily Wire is going to come in and uh, just take that uh, crown from them. And this is the thing. It's not anti-female protagonist. It's doing the female protagonist correct. And I see a lot of you dropping down your your favorite female protagonists that you've watched in film and TV, which I encourage you to drop them in the chat. Some people are saying uh, Sigourney Weaver and Alien, things like that. I was thinking immediately, like Katniss Everdeen, Hunger Games. You all know that I love the Hunger Games. That is a well-written female protagonist And I'm so excited to see this uh, newest film that's coming out, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And guess who's starring in it? 
Rachel Zegler. So somebody who I think completely fumbled the bag when it came to Snow White, which is coming out, you know, in a couple years from now now. I'm so excited to watch her rendition of Lucy Gray Baird uh, in, in this film because I feel like the writing of the female protagonist stands on its own and she has all the talent it takes to, you know, fill the hole that is there when it comes to filming it and bringing it to life. And I'm excited. I've watched her press on the, the movie. I feel like she's doing a great job with a character that she truly appreciates as it is a well-written female protagonist. And where, where I think a lot of you know, these executives or people who are producing these films maybe get it confused is that their idea of what strength is, is very surface level and, and superficial. They've decided that strength means that you cannot lean on anybody, that you must always save yourself. And in thinking about other Disney films where I feel like this same flop attitude is utilized. We watched the the Peter Pan and Wendy, that, that new uh, iteration that they did for Disney and I believe is on Disney Plus, as well as the new Little Mermaid. And I'm not gonna get bogged down in all of the diversity stuff that both of those films did because they are most definitely culprits in that arena as well. But just the, again, undercurrent of you must be a strong woman and a strong woman means virtually no vulnerability. It means you do not lean on anybody. And it means without a doubt, you are not saved by a man. Even if the man is a perfectly well-rounded, you know, moral individual, we just cannot have that in the new formula for what it means to be a strong woman. And to that I say, that is not strength. If anything, that sort of attitude is going to go on to harm you later down the line in your life. And you should embrace moments of vulnerability. You should embrace those who are there to, to help you along the way as a teammate or as a love interest, whatever the case may be. And when they strip the stories of those characters or of that story arc, it starts to feel hollow, whether they recognize it or not. And you might watch the movie and yes, be like, oh, that's, it was an entertaining watch. It's not the worst movie in the world, but they just don't stand the test of time because I don't think they're, they're managing to catch the wave of the deeper human truths that can lie within the storyline. If you have a sense of integrity to the actual human psyche and the actual way that women work and the way that we think, which yes, is very distinct. And yes, it is very different from men typically. And I mean, the numbers are showing it to them. Like they're, people are not going to watch these films and you can talk about it from the, the realm of, of feminism. You can talk about it from the realm of, of diversity and just the general, agenda that is being pressed in things, even in little subliminal ways that, that Disney and other, uh, you know, corporations have managed to do this. It's starting to, it's starting to become see-through, you know, the, the mm -hmm. closet is glass where we can see you guys and we know what you're doing. Yeah. The man behind the curtain is revealed. Um, <laughs> but as you're talking, I think that's really what this all boils down to for me is that it's, I've, and I've noticed this about culture generally in the last maybe 12, 12, 15 years is that we're, we seem to be at a struggle where we have like the sort of traditional worldview that recognizes that human beings are complex. And, you know, like we always talk about, given a different set of circumstances, I could have been, you know, raised in Nazi Germany and believe a bunch of crazy stuff. And just having that humility mm -hmm. of knowing that I'm 
fallible as a person and that the world's not so simple as like there's very there's perfect people over here like me who's so enlightened and then there's these evil people over there and i think our movies have used to be written from a place that acknowledged the sort of moral complexity of humanity like uh, solzhenitsyn i think said the line between good and evil cuts through every human heart and like great stories deal with like the wrestle and the struggle that we face like trying to grow and and you know have that struggle with our own fallibility with our own morality and everything and when you have a worldview though that is based on like you know tom soul talks about the division of the anointed that this idea that like i have an enlightened view and the perfect world that we should live in is you know absolute uh, equity for everything and women should be in all these positions of power and if they're not it's because they've been oppressed and uh, we need to have diversity and all these races need to be equally represented and we need to subvert all these power structures and it's all this like raw struggle for power and you said a minute ago like we uh, about strength in films and i think there's a difference between strength and power and that's something that these people who are writing these movies these days don't recognize anymore and it's all about that raw struggle for power about like getting the right faces getting the right you know skin colors on screen getting the right you know female bodies to represent the strength that's what yeah. we need and it's like that's just putting the the right people who you perceive to be the right people in power doesn't make you moral or strong or virtuous in any way and the the old classic stories uh seem to live more in that realm of the, that strength of character and virtue and they would enshrine and point us toward those things and and sort of walk us through a more morally complex struggle whereas when you when you reduce uh the stories that we tell to a worldview that is all just about the the oppression olympics and the struggle for power which is really ultimately like a marxist worldview i think those those two things are clashing right now in modern western society is like are we going to be who we've always been or are we going to embrace this new idea that's just obsessed with this power struggle and i think that's showing up in our films and tv shows and just all over culture and uh it, I think it rings hollow, like you were saying a minute ago, because it is ultimately a worldview that just doesn't work. It's this it's in a fairy tale land. It's it's uh, it's based in uh, ideas that just do not map onto reality, uh, whereas a more honest worldview is what we had before. It's not perfect, uh, but the values that we strived toward made more sense. And if you build you can build a society in a functioning world on those values and ideas, you can't build one on these. And I think and it's a very deep uh, way to look at it. But I do think <laughs> right. that that's ultimately why these movies are flopping, to be honest. Yeah, no, and it's interesting. I, I keep going back to this movie and I apologize, but I'm trying to think about how you express the same message that it seems they're trying to push forward, but you do it tactfully and you do it in a way that is subtle where the audience can still leave with the message that you're trying to push, but they don't feel so attacked by the agenda in your film. And I have to say, Mulan, <laughs> when you watch that movie and you think about the plot line, which spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't watched that movie, you've had a long time <laughs> to do so, but you start with this girl who ends up joining the Chinese military at a time where, of course, women are not allowed. She's literally dressing up as a man. And at first, you know, she's not quite meeting the standard, but she works hard. And eventually she gets so good at doing everything that men can do that she's doing it better. She has better strategy than they do. She's performing just as well as they do while flying under the radar. And as a young girl, you're watching that and going, oh my gosh, I as a woman can do anything that a man can do. And you get to the end of the movie where she's proved herself and then she's ousted. And 
you see what is blatant misogyny. These men go, now that I know that you're a woman, get out of my face. I don't want you a part of this. You're not a part of this anymore. Tradition says that you're not allowed to do this. And guess who has to come around because she has so much skills that like she has to be included. So that message is a feminist message. And I think it is a, a message that I think most people would be able to get behind and say, yeah, check mark, I can do that. But as soon as you have somebody who's like, I'm strong and I don't need no man and I'm going to save myself. And you just directly throw that into the script with the character. Honestly, at this point, seemingly breaking the fourth wall just to tell you that this is what that movie is about. It just loses the message it loses the plot and it loses the feeling that it gives you as an audience member that you've discovered their idea on your own. I think that's an important part of films that if you're going to lead somebody through a story, you want them to discover the meaning behind it or what you intended on their own accord at their own time and in thinking about the film. You don't wanna outright look them directly in the eye and say, this film is about this, and if you don't believe in what I'm saying, I hate you. <laughs> Which is essentially what films are doing now. So it is unfortunate. Today's video was really just a big rant about <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Disney, but I felt that it needed to be said. <laughs> yeah. Guys. And what, the, what they're doing with films more generally. And look, I take the point. I see some of you guys saying this movie. I had a really good friend who's a huge MCU fan. He's seen every movie, watched every show. And I asked him what he thought about this film and why he thought it was flopping. And he said, you know, they they uh, it just was like overwrote. The, the plot wasn't great. He just said there wasn't any like major pushing of agendas in this movie in particular. Um, and so I, I hear you guys and I see some of your comments on that. But uh, at the same time, I think def the, the, the idea holds true that in a macro sense, there's certainly really forcing a lot of this stuff and forcing these characters uh, out of like deep recesses of the comic books, rewriting them, race swapping them, punching up their powers because they're women. And uh, that's that's a reality we're contending with. Certainly, maybe the writer strike went into it a little bit. I heard I read that they uh, they weren't able to promote it as much as they would have liked because a lot of the actors were on strike and the writers were on strike during that. And I'm sure there's a lot of different factors that could play into it. Um, but at the end of the day, we do have a problem at hand here. And I think that's that's undeniable. And uh, it remains to be seen whether we will dig out of this hellscape. But uh, we just want we just want better films. I think we can all agree that that's a, a worthy goal to have. Sure. And I, if you just look into the, the press behind this movie, it's very clear. I mean, again, even if the movie does not tell you blatantly, this is what we're trying to do. I feel like I can look at movie posters these days and be like, this is what you're trying to do. And the fact that you have this director saying, you know, we saw all these diverse women and I thought, why not? You know, a two hour film of exactly that just signals to me that maybe some things that could have made the film better were sacrificed on the altar of this. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get a Disney Chats. All right, guys, uh, let's see. Oh, let I'll me get Taylor put a little that. bubble on here. <laughs> Bing. Uh, okay, uh, starting us off, oh, there's more. Um, something Dude says, oh gosh, guess guess what's coming. I think we're gonna have to like start skipping. <laughs> we need a superhero of any race, creed, or religion, or gender to save future generations' brain cells by ridding the world of 1975 music. Uh -huh, uh -huh. 
If you're new here, people love to hate on Amala's favorite band. They do. And especially Seth My Dude. But I don't know. It's starting to get old. I saw a comment <laughs> the other day that was like, I'm the joke's really starting to get old. But we love you, Seth My Dude. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Poke Ninja says, first time catching you live from Germany. Oh, I'm wow. as happy as a child right now. Amala, you are changing views for the better. Love what you are doing. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you so much. Thank you for watching from so far away as well. It's awesome. Uh, YouTube is censoring my comments. I saw this one coming. <laughs> many, many critics say audiences are relatable, just want relatable white men, but this channel proves that wrong. The white guy ruins it for everyone with the boring takes. <laughs> <laughs> that is so rude. <laughs> savage. That is well, so savage. Wow. How this boring rude. white guy will still take your money. Yeah. We appreciate Thank you. Thank you for the super chat. That's all we takes. need. So we'll take that <laughs> to the bank. Oh, Josh Denoyer says, uh, it's not that we don't want strong female-led superhero films. We just don't want them spending an entire movie and press tour crapping on men. Disrespect is disrespect no matter what you this shroud it in. exactly right. Like I said, I'm all, I'm all ready for a well-written female, which is why uh, if, if for some reason this Hunger Games movie is not good, I'm going to be so black-billed. But I think it's going to be good because I... Like they kept the same director. They kept a lot of the same people on the team. I am actually excited to watch Rachel Segler's rendition of this character. So fingers crossed, y'all. Fingers crossed. I'll let y'all know. I'm going to clip that quote. I'm really excited to see Rachel Segler's rendition of this character <laughs> and post it on the internet without context. <laughs> Do like a deceptive headline and put her Snow White picture in under it. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Uh, Sonia S says, this is my first time catching you live. Greetings from Finland. It's almost midnight here. Open YouTube to listen to you guys before sleep. Oh, thank you. That's so That's crazy. So cool. I, like I said, I always like to think about like, where, what are the pe different people doing while they're watching this show? Uh, <laughs> so I love to hear what you're actually doing. Yeah. And I feel like we have a, a overrepresentation of Finnish viewers this relative to the population uh, proportionally in the earth. I don't know what's going uh, but on. But I love it. I've been to Finland, like I've told y'all. It's a really fascinating place. Uh, Cody Miller says, too afraid to let them be human. Right on the money, brohim. Hey. Okay, so we're balancing. Thanks for balancing out the the, the uh, feedback today. <laughs> some haters and some <laughs> encouragers. It's all good. <laughs> Ava Goras Garelli Perdomo. The name keeps going, but it cut off. Um, greetings from Spain. I love your show. I'm Lenard. Appreciate it. If you guys could pray for Spain as we are facing difficult times. What's going on? Yeah, they're like, um, there's like a, I don't know much about it, but there's like an uprising against the, uh, like their socialist government right now. And their people are like marching in the streets. Like I had not yeah, heard about that. That is crazy. Mass. Wow. I'm going to have to look mm -hmm. into everything that's happening there. Wow. That's an update. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, best wishes with mm -hmm. what's going on in Spain. Lorraine Grubbs says the Marvels is a fun movie. People aren't watching the Disney Plus shows, which set up the movies. Miss Marvel was great. And Kamala Khan was the best part. Hey, I'm glad that you liked it. I did hear uh, in a, a lot of the stuff about the film that she is particularly, you know, kind of like a bright, cheery character. So it's no knock on the actresses who are playing these roles or whatever. It's just very... Uh, 
I'm, I won't <laughs> I'll say it's very evident that uh, things are being sacrificed in the the new Disney, which is so funny because it, it keeps coming up uh, because these these films keep coming out and being received in the way they are. You have this with the the box office reception of this film, Snow White with everything that's happening there. The uh, South Park episode uh, into the Pandaverse that just came out talking about Kathleen Kennedy. And it's just, I think, evident that things are, I think, going to change at Disney. Also, the article that keeps popping up every few months that Disney says they're no longer going to be a part of the culture war or whatever, which we'll see. Not holding my breath. Yeah, we know it's entrenched pretty deep in there. But yeah, I did hear that the the girl who played Kamala Khan was really endearing. And Mm -hmm. so that's... You know, we'll take the silver linings where they are. Uh, Savrix says, uh, brace yourself for some mental exercise here. Oh, gosh. Much of the information we observe is outside our focus thresholds of the minds as well as the eyes. Propaganda in media is also meant to manipulate perceptions subliminally. The mind isn't aware of it. This is true. I, I sometimes think about like, okay, I feel like I'm tuned into propaganda that I see or whatever, but how much of the stuff am I missing? And you know it's a lot. You know it has to be a lot if like you're being intellectually honest with yourself. So I would love an unbiased, you know, like, I don't know, an unbiased software to be able to scan through all the different things that I'm seeing and tell me what's propaganda and what's not and like doing, uh, you know, a full analysis on what I'm missing and what I'm catching because I imagine there's so much that I'm not catching and it terrifies me. To my core. Just saying says hello from Cyprus. Love you guys. Disney needs to stop ruining the movies we grew up with. We're empowered because uh, and not because and not in spite of them. The new movies are always an option. Leave the classics alone. They just need to like stop making them. Yeah, just stop stop remaking films. I know, don't understand. It's happening everywhere now. The new like Mean Girls the musical is coming out, which I'll grant it is a musical, which does make it different. And I'm a big fan of Renee Rapp. I think she's extremely talented, so I'm sure she's going to do a great job in playing Regina George. But I watched the trailer for it, and it's just literally like almost just shot for shot exactly Mean Girls and. Mean Girls was not that long ago. Like, it's not ready for a remake, even in a musical rendition. And I get it. The musical was wildly popular. They want to make a little bit extra money at the box office. And people love Mean Girls. But some things are just meant to be left alone. They really are. Yeah. Yeah, the reboots, it's like you're not going to improve upon it, especially in this. Like, what's the last recent reboot that was like, wow, that's so much better than the beloved original? Yeah. just doesn't happen too often. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Gen X Rando just dropped $50 super chat. Thank you. Says, you are awesome. Thanks for your humor and vids. Oh, thank you. It's very nice. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, let's see. Alice Iris says, love 80s horror final girls and femme 40s femme fatales. Uh, mm. 80s uses gentleness to connect to the killer. 40s rely on sexuality and feminine prowess to persevere. Yeah, which you're not allowed to do that anymore, which is just, it just sucks. I remember just watching so many films where it's like, okay, yeah, she's hot. She uses it to her advantage. And like, I, I can see how some would view that as problematic and saying, well, you're just objectifying women and you're telling that women, women that their only value is in, you know, how feminine they are and how beautiful they are. But it, it's... It's an acknowledgement of reality as well, that you can utilize these things. And how 
cool is it to see a woman who accepts that reality and utilizes it to her benefit? It's kind of badass, but you can't do that anymore. Now, if you like use being hot as a way to get out of something or to manipulate or whatever it is, you're just like, uh, she's being objectified and you're reducing women down to objects, which we do it to both genders. Just men don't complain about it. That's the thing. Men are elated to be objectified <laughs> <laughs> most of the time. Um, uh, and women just don't like it, which understandable, again, to some extent. But also, can we just can we just let it go? I'm tired of the girl boss characters that I can't relate to in any way. Yeah, getting getting mad at that is like, it's as as though no women do that in real life. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's just true to life. And then even if you're like just just portraying it shows that it is something that every woman has to decide for herself how she's going to manage that aspect of what she's going to deal with in mm-hmm. real life. And that part of that is how men are interacting with you and how they respond to it. So it's a referendum on them. But but not even going there and not even allowing stories to explore that or being portrayed on screen at all anymore, just leaving it as though that whole aspect of humanity is is not real is just, of course, you're going to have hollow stories that don't feel real and are unrelatable. So yep. it's a great point. And it's not to like just portraying a femme fatale or whatever is not necessarily saying that every woman should act like this. It's just showing realities that are in the world and allowing us to kind of contend with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, Jinx says uh, they don't want to make female characters overcome struggles anymore. It's like buying a puzzle that's already been solved. It's boring. It's a great analogy. Yeah, it is like buying <laughs> a puzzle that's already been solved. Yeah, that was... Yeah, I feel like so many films I watch now, it's just like, okay, what what is the conflict in this movie? Because I already know what's going to happen. I know who loses. I know how they lose and, you know, what happens there. So it's kind of, it's just kind of boring, to say the least, to watch things. And now I get excited when a film, like, flips that on its head and actually keeps you on your toes a little bit. Or you start rooting for somebody who may have been the villain in, in the past or you just actually have depth of character and experience and it should be more common to where you're not shocked to watch a movie that does that Mm -hmm. uh sam says i thought the film did a great job at not showing quote girl power or let me take off my armor mid battle mid battle to show i'm a woman or poor me for being a woman I'm glad. Okay, I hope so. I like I said, I did watch uh, Nerd Roddick's breakdown of the film, and he said, you know, for the most part, there's no blatant agenda in this movie. It's just poorly created, which is fine. We stand by that analysis, and I'm sure he's you know on the mark when he says exactly that. It's just to say that there is just a shallowness to all that is created now. And if your director is saying, you know, I saw a bunch of women on screen and I thought, why not make a two hour film of that? It does lead me to believe that maybe, maybe while they didn't put an, a blatant agenda in it, there's some underlying maneuvering. And did we play the clip? Was it the director? Or was that one of the actresses? That's was the director. Like, they all five showed up and there's only five minutes. And Yeah, I'll show you. Five, actually, I have the clip somewhere here. Let's actually watch. Okay. Here it is. Oh, let me actually have sound on for that. That might help. Let's see. Many women around the world watched Avengers Endgame and had that six seconds of all the, all the Marvel women together. And I, I once had like chills, but I also was very annoyed. I was like, two hours of this, please. So it was really nice that they decided to do a, a team up movie with like three of my favorite heroes. So um, that's what was most exciting. Don't worry. She's got help. 
Like BFFR. <laughs> Don't worry. She's got help. I can't. I can't. And didn't that happen? What other films did they, did they do it in like Star Wars or something? Was there a Star Wars thing where they did something similar I mean, to they this? Had, they did I like what it was. Ray was the new heroine and she had power right from the get go and was like lightsaber dueling without ever having been trained and using the force and all this stuff. And it was like, where's this coming from? Um, oh, yeah, maybe that's not what I'm thinking pattern. of. There was another movie where it was like the women just all line up and they're like, you know, don't worry, we've got this or whatever. And I can't remember what it is. If you guys know, or if I'm just mixing it up with this film, drop it in the chat down below. But it's just like, there's the, there's the ever uh, fame infamous uh, Ghostbusters all women remake. As well. Oh gosh, <laughs> I mean, yes. You don't have to think far to find examples. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if you guys know specifically which one. Let us know. Uh, Savrix again says, Amal and Taylor, are y'all both in LA? I'm visiting my sister in December. We can get together and collaborate ideas that could save the world. Just get some street tacos or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, possibly. I don't know. I've been thinking of uh, we should do a, a meetup at, at some point somewhere, but it's got to be under the uh, proper pretenses and, of course, safe because you never know. Some people are. We need security. Security. And I'm not in LA for the record. I'm in no. uh, Nashville. He's so. in Nashville. But maybe if we ever do an actual event, we will, you know, all come together. Of course, Taylor will be there for that. Ocean. Uh, people are saying Ocean's Eight is one of the Ocean's like, Eight. Girl boss five. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm seeing you guys are I've dropping a yeah. Ocean's Eleven. People <laughs> saying the boys are better. Shrek Three. What? <laughs> I don't know if I've seen Shrek Three. I do love Shrek. That's a great movie. They, I think I saw Shrek 3, but I don't remember any crazy feminism in it or anything. Mm -mm. Uh, but I love y'all's examples. Keep dropping them. Popcorns says, I enjoyed Gal Gadot as a Wonder Woman. Um, I actually cared about her character because she did have weaknesses and struggles, but ultimately overcame them. Yeah. I, did, I didn't see Wonder Woman, but I heard good things about it. I did end up watching Wonder Woman, although I got to be honest, I've totally forgotten the plot at this point. So... <laughs> I can't be helpful in that. But yeah, the whole, uh, I remember her coming from like the all woman, you know, kind of Amazonian-esque village where they're all like super trained in combat. They're all like Athena, the goddess, and they're all, they're all ripped and shit. <laughs> Again, it's <laughs> yeah, just like. I don't trust uh, modern writers to, with that because that source material, I mean, it's actually, okay, that occupies a space in the spectrum of possibilities in superhero world that it's like, okay, you know, I'm not going to immediately throw my hands up and say, oh, that's feminist garbage. But modern writers, give mm -hmm. them that to start with and what they're going to do with it. Just run mm. with it. Yeah. But I did hear that Wonder Woman was was a good movie, and I know it, it did well in the box office. So hopefully it wasn't this mess. Um, Derek J says, please do an interview slash live with Blair White. Please. Big fan of the show. Love you, Amala and Tay Tay. One of these days we do have to do that. Yeah. I would, I would love to have a conversation with Blair. I think Blair's cool. Mm. Christara Shackelford says, my favorite adaptation of Snow White is from Once Upon a Time. She was so independent and a girl boss, but also didn't deny she had the love she had for Charming. Oh, and who plays her? Is that Jennifer Goodwin? Or am I getting that confused? Snow White. You're asking me. Once, <laughs> I'm going to look it up. <laughs> once upon once upon a time. Uh, who plays her? Who plays her? Who plays her? Oh, no. Yes, it is 
It is Jennifer Goodwin, which I love her in uh, He's Just Not That Into You. I love that movie, and that movie's a 10 out of 10 rom-com. <laughs> and that that movie is feminine. That's, that's female nature right there. I love that film. Anyways, I'll have to check out Once Upon a Time. I've never seen it, but I do love Jennifer Goodwin, so. Uh, Randalorian says Star Wars has a lot of... Okay, I figured the name was maybe a play on Mandalorian, but... Um, Star Wars has a lot of good female characters, so much better than Marvel. The characters are strong, but not overly so. They're still feminine. Y'all, I've never We're seen talking about the original ones, like, you know, Padme and Princess Leia and stuff like that. I'm with you. And, uh, of course, Gina Carano's character in Mandalorian, I heard her hair was a badass before she was fired. Before she was fired. Look what they do to real girl bosses. They fire right? them. I've never seen a Star Wars movie, so. Star oh, and Ashoka. Ash- I don't know how to say it. Ahsoka. They have like a new series about this uh, Jedi girl, that, mm. but I don't know how it is. But I know like they had like a cartoon version of the Clone Wars, and I think she was cool in those. But anyway, trying to trying to throw a bone to you, Star Wars fans. <laughs> there, I'm, I'm I have I kind of uh, gave up on it after the new movies came out. I couldn't even bring myself to watch the third one with how much I thought they went off the rails. But mm. uh, I do really love the original movies. Uh, first six uh let's see christopher alcine says youtube censors sc i can't submit a comment super chat i can't submit a comment i want to make about marvel versus dc female superheroes this platform absolutely sucks that is Love very y'all, weird i wonder what the comment is i don't think we've ever had a problem with people not being able to send in super chats why would they be censoring what you want to say about marvel versus dc i hear that now and then i had it's maybe certain words trigger the algorithm i don't maybe. know maybe spelling stuff with numbers or something have to look into that that's super weird wonder what yeah I, now i want to know what you're trying to say yeah me too that's an interesting <laughs> angle to explore uh raw chuck says just want to add my vote to interview blair white i have nothing profound to say just keep up the good work <laughs> okay everybody wants blair white okay maybe i we'll need to send it. an email it's a, it's a welcome break from the demands for a brett cooper collab yes it so. is <laughs> diversify your requests ladies and gentlemen <laughs> uh Nikki T says, not directly related to superheroes per se, but I think we need to stop the narrative of, quote, independent woman doesn't need no man. We all need one another. Yes, we do. Yin and yang, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we're supposed to be. And I mean, like, you can even have, like, it's cool to play around with the idea that maybe she doesn't end up with him or whatever, but it's still there. Like, you can mess around with that a little bit and have fun with it. It's just never, it just seems like it's not being entertained at all. And uh, it's, it's strange. Even in watching the the new Little Mermaid, of course she ends up falling in love, but there was this, like, if you're watching close enough, he never saves her throughout that entire film, which is so weird because that's really what his character is there for, to develop, you know, this love that transcends his species in a way, and then he, you know, drives the ship into Ursula, and he's the saving grace, and that's, like, what convinces her father that she's made the right decision in going back on land because a human actually saved. Like, they're not the worst people in the world. But then it's like she saves him the entire the entire film, which, again, was very subtle, but still very much there and intentional. When you say it like that, it doesn't sound subtle at all, but I know yeah, what you mean. Yeah, in, because... When you're in watching the movie, I'm sure it doesn't come across as this massive girl boss move, but from a narrative standpoint, that's huge. Right. It is huge. And you just, if you're, if you don't care about it all that much or you don't like think about the original, you, you, it kind of just glosses over and you go, well, yeah, there was the big, you know, climactic scene at the end and Ursula gets taken care of. But when you think about how they made that very subtle switch about who does it, it does tell you a lot about how they think and about how they view 
men in masculinity and women. And it tells you a lot about how they are influencing young minds to think Mm -hmm. or how they want to influence young minds (laughs) to think. And that's the the even more scary part. Yep. Um, Let's see. Cosmic Star says, I feel like the world has come to a standstill in terms of inventions. Like, when's the last time you've seen anything new? Everything's just a remake. Yeah. I think people are realizing this just like, you know how they say like things don't last anymore? Like my grandparents bought a dishwasher in the 1970s and it's still working to this day and you buy one now and it's just not working anymore. I think that's how things are being created. It's just like, let me satiate this sort of need for instant gratification that people have to where we just become so mindless and, you know, that we don't even care that things don't last anymore. And we don't care that nothing's new. We don't care that nothing's complex, that new things aren't being created. It's just kind of sad. I think people are yes, just taking advantage of that. a viral tweet about printers and someone was just like, here's an idea, a million dollar idea. Make a printer, but it actually works. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I got like Dude. hundreds of thousands of retweets and stuff. It's like because you never know if they're making them on purpose to like need you to keep coming back for maintenance and new cartridges and fixing all that. It's because it's all Which one big. You know they do capitalist scam. It, I, I, at some point, I think we have to acknowledge that is that that is what's happening, and something needs to be done about it. Which the thing that needs to be done about it is somebody who is really in the interest of good business is in the interest of creating something that lasts and is in the interest of creating something that's new. It's the difference between good business and quick business, and. People are just doing the quick business thing. They're doing it with movies. They're doing it with products. They're doing it with inventions. And yeah, somebody needs to come around and reinvigorate tradition. So Epinobi Printer Company coming at you. <laughs> We're going to launch <laughs> like a, a line of fridges. and <laughs> Ours won't catch on fire like Sabres did. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sylvia Lee says, late to the live, but love your shows as always. You should check out Blue Eyes Samurai. Blue Eyed Samurai Refresher compares to these. I think there's some typos here. It's refreshing compared to these Hollywood films. Blue by the way, Eyed Hi, Taylor. Samurai. Is it an American-made film? I'm curious. I, I just want to guess that it's not, but maybe it is. Blue Eyed Samurai. It's about Edo period Japan, but who made it? My, the to point, be confused with The Last Samurai. Right. Uh, it's animated by a French company. Yeah, the point that I was trying to get at is that there are uh, a lot of Americans are just turning to other countries' creations and uh, their mm. animation and their films because we're just like so subservient to agenda here that it kind of falls flat. Like uh, anime and K-dramas and all this stuff, I think they're like an all-time high viewership in the United States because they're actually caring about like, what do women want? What do men want? How do we emphasize that? How do we make complex storylines? And you watch it and you're like, damn, this might be in a different language, but it's way better than what I'm, I'm watching now. I'm so excited to uh, see Hayao Miyazaki's film that is going to be coming out soon that has a lot of like really big uh, American names. Uh, Robert Pattinson is actually in it because they do an English dub of the movie. And I'll show you guys what it is. Right here. Boom, boom, boom. The Boy and the Heron. I'm excited for this to come out. And it's going to be out. uh, I think it already is out. So I'm going to go and watch that film because I love Hayao Miyazaki. And he's just like, you can tell when somebody is just 
almost like a slave to the art that they're trying to create. Like they have to make it a good story or else like they're mm. <laughs> or like their life is ruined if they don't make something fantastic. And it's like now all these machines just turn stuff out and they don't really care. They're just like, okay, how do I just recoup the investment that I put on this thing? And he's like, no, how do I take what is happening in my brain, translate it, put it out on the screen so that people understand the deepest sentiment that I'm trying to portray and communicate to them. And he can do it like across language barriers and all this different stuff. And when you have somebody who can do that and actually cares to do that, those are the films that you you support and you watch. Mm. Yeah. yeah when you're talking, I mean, it reminds me of like, not, not that he's my favorite director ever, but like a Quentin Tarantino who's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make the movie I want to make and be true to my artistry and true to what I want to do. And I'm not going to allow you all to, you know, taint it with all these studio interests and stuff. It's right. Like, you come to it and like, I'm, I need this budget. I need these actors. I need to do it this way. And you guys don't get any influence over anything. But I, I like when directors have that FU cachet and are just able to like, you can see their artistry and what they're really wanting to bring to the world. Yeah. And, uh, and it truly feels stuff. different. It's like you can now, when when you have a person like that, you can see their stuff and be like, oh, I feel like I know who that is. It, without you even telling me, without me having to see anything, because they just have, th- themselves is truly reflected, like their unique selves. You could show a bunch of Marvel movies and you'd be unable to decipher which director created what and at what time. Uh, and it's just because they don't care to, to do anything mm-hmm. special anymore. Kathleen Kennedy's got her little greasy Kathleen fingers Kennedy. all over everything. <laughs> <laughs> Race swapping and gender swapping and girl bossing. For real. Uh, the Taylor fan club. I'm just going to assume that that's for me. Um, <laughs> this person's name is hey, the Taylor love that. fan club says, former art student, I can easily tell you that these characters are generic. Being a woman is not a character. Being black is not a character. Being gay is not a character. Your characters have no character. Yep. It's almost like they go, oh, she has a different skin color. That's enough as far as development goes. It's like they have a meeting like, what are her deepest motivations? What's driving her? And they're like, oh, well, she's black. So got that covered. Don't need to flesh that out anymore. (laughs) Okay, Boomer 412 says, remember the backlash when they showed that Black Widow was shown to be vulnerable because she couldn't have children? I did not see the vulnerable. That sounds like a relatable, believable, interesting storyline with that adds some depth to that character and so. there was backlash from that interesting probably how from curious woke tards <laughs> <laughs> uh denya anduho just sends super chat no message thank you thank you uh, Rock, Paper, Scissors says hey from Alaska we've been getting record-breaking amounts of snow here it's crazy oh I would love to go to Alaska for a short period of time. Every time I hear about Alaska, it is people uh, going through the grocery stores to talk about how inflated your prices are because everything is obviously, you know, imported in. So that's all I ever hear about Alaska is that it's cold, you have a lot of sunlight, and that your grocery prices are just astronomical. But I imagine you're paid in a way that that sort of weighs out. Is that the truth? Let me know in the comments down below. But I'd love to visit Alaska just to see what's up because I it, it feels mythical almost <laughs> in the way that people talk about it. So I'd love to check it out. Yeah, it sounds dope. And we've got several viewers from Alaska comment over the years, but uh, yeah. it's really always cool to hear from y'all. Thanks for watching. I feel like I couldn't withstand the cold, but I would love to hang out for a bit. <laughs> No, people take cruises there and stuff. I'm going on my first cruise in the spring uh, oh, to shoot. the Caribbean. 
So I'm looking forward to that. But when I'm older and more into like watching seals and looking at nature and stuff, Alaska. I would totally be down for an Alaska cruise because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure it's amazing. But I got to get my Caribbean on first. Uh, rock, paper, scissors. Oh, we just did that. Uh, Taylor Fan Club again says the head producer at Disney literally said I was just wherever I could adding queerness. No one would stop me and no one was trying to stop me. Mm. I think most writers are under the thumbs of woke higher ups like this. Oh, yeah, definitely. And we've seen the uh, the behind the scenes of like the Disney's reimagined tomorrow meeting that they had with their executives. And the I think it was the VP or something was talking about how she has queer kids and trans kids or whatever, and that she wanted to see more of that in the film. And they were basically having this whole meeting about what they are doing in their movies. And I don't imagine that any of that has changed, you know, over the last few months or even years. So it's just really taking in all the context that you have from everything else that they've done and using it to paint the picture of what it is that they are possibly doing now, even though they may get better at making it subtle it's still there the motivation is there Uh, maria alice silvera veloso says disney used to be more fairy tale like now they are more like fables with just one message that is explicitly written p.s shout out from belo horizonte which is where i lived when i lived in brazil when i was like in my high school years that is So. so cool Wow. Muito, li- muito legal, muito obrigado por assistir a gente hoje, <laughs> and uh, I'll see you later. <laughs> you sound like the Portuguese fighters in UFC. You actually like take on the the I don't know what what you call the it, like the cadence, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, yeah, it's it's like Spanish is very like you pronounce every single syllable. Da, 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 da. It's like the same like uh-huh. amount of time dedicated in Portuguese. It's like the vowels are very long. Like, yeah, brother-in-law is Brazilian, and he's like. Taylor, are you coming over for Christmas? <laughs> That's so uh, funny. It's reflected even in the accents, so it's interesting. But yeah, you're you're right about your assessment of how these stories are being, you know, told, and it's just like, again, it's just not gonna. They're not gonna be around for much longer. Like I'm gonna be showing my future children old films because it's just like what what else are they gonna watch like of course i'm sure there will be good kids content that does come out and that they'll be able to watch in real time but a lot of it is going to be like here's what your mom used to watch when she was a kid because there was just a a dark period in media where nothing great came out yeah we're living through the dark ages of media (laughs) that's a good way to put it (laughs) but the good news is that a lot of it'll be forgotten i really do think it will yep unless these woke people take over the world and then just want us to watch it nonstop so it indoctrinates us like i'm so curious i I sit and think about sometimes like what are what are going to be the classic movies of these time of our time now because we're going to get to you know the 2040s or whatever and they're going to look back and be like this was i could see the early 2000s having a lot of you know really like high points where we're going to see a lot of films man yeah, mm-hmm. I think a lot of Lord those of the films Rings, are Gladiator, Matrix, Braveheart, so like much. that's late 90s too, but yeah, yeah. Ugh. So much. And then you're going to be like what are going to be the movies of the 2010s and then what's going to be the 2020s? That that always like blows my mind. And of course it's hard to think about when you're in the moment living it. We're just going to have to wait a couple decades and see what it's like, but since so much of it is remaking too, like 
we like to pay homage to prior decades. You you dress up like you're from the 80s or the 70s. You play some 90s music or whatever, and you pull out your Jenko jeans or whatever. But if we are now just currently remaking everything from prior decades, what's going to be the stamp of our actual time? It's going to be like a watered-down version of what was happening in the 90s that we recreated in the 2020s. Um, if you have any theories about what are going to be classic movies from the 2020s, let me know in the yeah, chat. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about. I think maybe some of the like uh, Scorsese's and like the Tarantino's and Christopher Nolan's, yeah. like some of those might stand the test of time, or I'm sure they will, but um, I'm sure they're they're fewer and further between. Yeah, we'll these see. Days. We'll see. I I am so so curious. I mean, yeah, that's that's a good that's a good short list. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone said Oppenheimer. Um, you know, oh, one that's and kind of in, it's on a more lighthearted note, but like Elf to me is a great example of one that's like in fairly recent memory. I mean, it's kind of old now, but yeah. that's like instant classic that came out. and You just knew that that was going to be like a must watch for everyone every Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, but like since then, is there a Christmas movie that is like a must watch classic? I don't. Yeah, Elf was 2003. So I'm yeah, trying to think geez. what since Elf, what what's going to be. It's interesting. Maybe we'll have to unpack that on a later episode. One of these days, mm-hmm. we'll try to get down to the bottom of it and create a tier list of what are the classic movies, and then we can put it in a time capsule and check back in and <laughs> in a couple decades. Oh, someone said the new Top Gun. Yeah, it's probably going to be Top- standing the test of time. Do you too. think it's a so? remake of a '80s? Though? I don't know. Like, I don't ever hear anybody go like, "Oh yeah, I just went back and watched Top Gun Maverick like 15 times" or anything like that. Whereas with these other movies, like, I don't know. Maybe. It'll be like remembered, but it won't be like a, you know, watch on repeat. I still think, yeah, I think in 2040, people are just going to go back to the original Top Gun. I don't think they're going to, and they're going to be like, oh, well, yeah, they also made this other one. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. We shall see. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Denya Andujo again says, hey, Amla and Taylor, I'm 17 and going to start my channel to help my generation from going crazy. Any advice? You, Brett, and Candace are my inspiration. Ooh, just... Turn the camera on and get get going. That's all I can really say. Um, <laughs> like, I wish somebody had told me when I first started doing this, like, okay, your first few videos, for the most part, not that many people are going to watch. So just, like, do it. Gain comfortability. Figure out what your voice is like and, and learn how to be comfortable on camera and post. Just post it and deal with it. And... Uh, You'll, you'll just develop as time goes on and figure out what you like and what's specific to you. So that's my advice. Taylor, what's yours? You've been doing this oh. a while now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, there's originality is huge. Like anyone mm-hmm. can, it's important to learn best practices and understand like what gets people's attention and know how to make a good thumbnail and know how to have a good opening hook and all that stuff. But that'll only take you so far. And then, like, if you're relying on reacting to certain things, like for every reaction, there's going to be a lot of other reactions. And so you're going to distinguish yourself by doing something original. And a lot of that comes from, like, I think Amla is obviously, like, super intelligent, has a really unique story and everything. But it's also, like, when you are talking about things, like, go where other people have not gone in their analysis and in their research and in their exploration of the idea and take it a notch further and, and provide something that's not already out there mm-hmm. because everyone there's a, you know, there's the advantage of there's no barrier to entry into content and podcasts and everything, but there's the disadvantages. Everyone's doing it. And in order to like 
rise to the top. You've got to just your your angle has to be more original. Your I you know you just have to go that extra mile and do a little bit more thinking and do a little bit more um, to put in to distinguish yourself because you're competing against the entire internet. Yeah. Um, but that's not a that's not a reason not to do it. It's it's just a reason to like hone your craft and be deliberate and really because most people aren't willing to to put in the work and and think in the in those terms and so there's an element of it where it's just like yeah just get off your butt and go for it but also do that in a like purposeful focused way yeah i mean we sit here sometimes and we'll have like ideas that we just like throw out at each other and then like within 24 hours 10 other people have done it <laughs> you're just yeah. like okay well we're gonna go back to the drawing board and we either have to find a new angle in how to talk about this because it's just not worth it to just do it again and do the same thing other people are doing or we're just gonna have to go in a completely different direction i feel like it just amps up over time as more people realize that like oh I can like saturate this realm a little bit more and keep going. And then you just, it forces you to be more creative. You can either give up and be like, okay, I'm going to do the same stuff that everybody else is doing. Or you can be like, okay, what's the next thing? How do we do this in an out of the box way? Or at least put, you know, a little bit of a spin where this feels like more and more original. Totally. Mm -hmm. um, Joy says, Taylor, you're great. And I find your takes both enlightening and based. Uh, both of you articulate complex issues very well so thank you for all you do throw oh. some respect on taylor's name <laughs> okay love that uh see i'm good i'll read the haters i'm not afraid but um i appreciate y'all afraid of haters coming to my defense uh john asher says justice league and man of steel yes or no that director did great in my opinion but they screwed up barry allen in the latter making him a bum Oh, I haven't seen This is it. getting into some lore, but I haven't, I haven't seen, seen actually it. the, um, I don't think I've seen either Justice League or Man of Steel. Me neither. But Barry Allen, I think, is the Flash, and that's like the Ezra Miller. Yeah, I think that, that is that is true, actually. Yes. So, yeah. Indeed. I don't yes. know. Is DC in a better place right now than Marvel? I I, I think they were for a, for a while, but maybe, I don't know. Y'all let us I know in the chat. they just had a big flop. Yeah, we got to brush up on our superhero stuff. Sorry, guys. Do we though? Someone's saying like DC stuff is awful. <laughs> okay. DC stuff is awful. It's like we're struggling across the, the board. <laughs> uh, Megan Khan says, I also have a theory that women's pants companies and purse companies are working together. That's why we don't have any real pockets. Have you ever thought about that or am Dude, I just crazy? No, I'm I'm with you on this one. This is uh this is a rabbit hole. We have so many rabbit holes to go down this episode. Fast fashion is going to be the demise of us all. And I say this as somebody who will go like, oh yeah, I'll buy that, it's quick, whatever. You can you know, wear it a few times and it doesn't last or whatever, but things just in general don't last and clothing is one of them. And whoever told us that women don't need to have pockets, we need to drag them to the, the town square. <laughs> because we need pockets we need to carry things i don't know where i think somebody along the way thought hmm if we don't put pockets on their jeans they'll be forced to buy bags and now we have the purse industry which is also the bane of my existence and yeah just give us pockets man i understand that we want to carry more stuff okay but we need pockets <laughs> so I put that on a t-shirt we need pockets <laughs> we need give pockets. us pockets <laughs> That's okay. Amala's future fashion line. All we jeans will pockets. have pockets. Yeah, we're going to do a cargo pant line that like carries 20 pounds worth of stuff. You know what I hate is the button fly where like button instead of a zipper, fly. you have buttons. Like, oh, yes. I like, hate that. Who, why? Like, who, 
Yeah. Just why? Just the amount of time and effort. Why did you do this? <laughs> Jail. <laughs> Jail for everyone. Single tears going to fall <laughs> from my eyes talking about this. Nicola S. says, finally catching you guys live. I love watching the show on my off time or while I'm at work. I do home care on weekends and I babysit during the week. Oh, that's awesome. I used to babysit. Loved that time. That was a, a fun time. Even though y'all have heard me uh, throw out some nanny slander. But shout out to you, girl. Thank you for babysitting. <laughs> we need good ones. We, we do need good ones. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, chat about pockets. Give us pockets. So what do we want? Pockets. pockets. When do we want them? <laughs> <laughs> this is an untapped market. Uh, Nata Hilia Smirnova says, uh, Derek, who could not send the super chat message, wanted you to interview Posey Parker. Posey Parker, Kelly J. Keen. I'm down to have Posey Parker on the show. I think she's badass. Uh, so, yeah, maybe we'll have to reach out to her as well. I love that y'all are keeping up with all the all the ladies. All the things. Yeah, and I think that was our uh, last Super Chat of the day. So, thank okay. you guys. A great suggestion is the last Super Chat for the day. Thank you guys so much for watching. We greatly appreciate it. Comment down below how you feel about some of the stuff we talked about on today's show. As always, if you disagree with me, I encourage healthy debate. So, duke it out, but do so respectfully. And if you like this video, like, subscribe. Click the notification bell to be notified every single time we're live. That's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. Plus, we post videos for you guys every single day. Tomorrow's video is about how we should not be pressuring influencers and celebrities into giving their take on Israel-Palestine. I think it's weird. I think it's cringe. I think it's strange. We'll be talking about that, and I'm sure many will have very strong opinions. So, oh, I missed one super chat from a sure. friend, Celtic Blacksmith, who's now a regular. Yo. He says, uh, Amla, I specialize in decorative ironwork. I'd like to forge you something special once I find the proper steel stock. Whoa. So get on that P.O. box, darling. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> I will. I will hop on the P.O. box. Many of you have requested a P.O. box. I promise I will get that done for you guys and uh, update you as soon as that is achieved. Guys, thank you so much for watching, and I will see you tomorrow.